You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. They offer just about every battery under the sun, from car and truck batteries to batteries for your trail cameras and rangefinders. Select retail locations even offer cell phone repair and cracked screen repair. Find a local retail location at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ohio Huntsman Podcast. And today's episode, this is the second to last episode, we're going to talk about why are you not seeing deer? You're in what seems to be a good spot. What are some reasons that you're not seeing deer and how to correct those issues? Before we get into that, though, I want to talk about our sponsor, Mastin's Deer Sense. Mastin's is a deer scent company. They're also a predator scent company, but deer season is upon us, and so we're going to talk about their, their deer scents today. They've got a wide range of liquid scents. They've got scented gel crystals. They've got their double scent stacker, which if you're not familiar with that, it's a it's kind of like an aluminum tube. You can put a, a deer scented candle or like a, an apple scented candle inside of it. And then there's a tray up above that warms that liquid scent that you pour in there. So makes it more realistic. I, I think the heat, when it's heated, it, it helps carry the scent. So lots of cool things about that. And you guys have heard me say before, the prices are very reasonable. So check them out. Go to MastinsDeerSense.com. Browse around, see what they have to offer. At the very least, get you a bottle of uh, doe estrus. Everybody, you know, everybody loves the doe estrus for uh, the rut. But look at some of the other stuff they, they have as well. And if you find something you like, order it and they ship it right to you. So... Check them out, MastinsDeerSense.com. Welcome to the Ohio Huntsman Podcast, where three brothers, Jason, Jacob, and Jeff, discuss all things hunting in Ohio. Our goal is to be your source for accurate and reliable hunting news and conservation issues in the great state of Ohio, as well as some fun and interesting conversations along the way. This is the Ohio Huntsman Podcast. Are you listening? All right, so as we get ready for season to open here, you you know once season opens up, we're going to be hunting, spending time in the woods. So we thought it would be interesting to talk about why you might not be seeing deer, right? You've done your scouting, you you know there's sign or there's all the things that deer need where you've decided to set up. But for some reason, the deer didn't, they didn't read the script and uh, they're not walking under your stand. Could be a lot of reasons, right? And so that was kind of the idea for this episode. What, what, what happened or what are some of the potential reasons that you're not seeing deer in this spot that by all other measures you should be seeing deer. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, I think especially with early season, you know, everyone has those days or weeks or stands, you know, where they think this is a great, you know, great spot and they're not seeing the deer. And, you know, it's kind of leaves you wondering, like, well, what happened? You know, why? You know, am am I not doing scent control right or what? You know, kind of leaves you leave you leaves you scratching your head. So these are going to be kind of some of the things that might be the culprit for why there's no deer. Yeah. So the first thing. Not, you know, not to keep beating this drum, but if you set up on. Sign that was relative to crops agricultural crops specifically beans and in that early season and you know the deer may be feeding on them all summer long and then right around the time season opens the beans start to yellow off and and the deer stop using them as a as a food source and and so you get a a shift right in, in I guess a shift in, <coughs> excuse me, a shift in food source. So deer that were in the area and therefore leaving sign, tracks, trails are no longer there. So uh, we've talked about that, you know, I say not to keep beating this drum, but, you know, we've talked about this in, in past episodes. But I think, you know, if you hunt around, uh, you know, ag fields, farm country, it's easy to get burned on that one. Yeah. And I think that broad topic is a huge one that you're setting up on the wrong food source. You know, that's a big reason why you might not be seeing deer is because you're, you've set up on the wrong food source, you know, throughout the whole season, you know, you, you set up on, the corn fields where, you know, the deer are eating the apples or, you know, you set up on an oak tree and the deer are eating apples or you set up on an right. apple tree and the deer are eating, uh, you know, acorns. <clears throat> and yeah, right. I think that's a, a big one is if, if you set up on a stand that is relying on a food source and you're not seeing deer it's probably that you set up on the wrong food source that's not the food source that they are using at that time of year that particular day you know because weather can kind of you know if you if a cold snap comes in you know the deer might be looking for some some more high energy foods instead of sugary taste good foods like apples yeah and i guess to to complicate the matter more it could be the right food type like i'm thinking acorns but for whatever reason there's a particular tree that you know produced a ton of acorns corns or you know that time of year 
that tree or that cluster of trees is making acorns that are far more palatable than the oak trees that you're set up near. Or it could just be in sort of their nightly or daily travels. The, The food source that you're setting up on, the deer aren't getting to until after dark. You know, so I'm thinking of that as a scenario where you're seeing very, very, very fresh sign, like the night before fresh sign, a couple hours old, but you're not seeing deer when you hunt there. That that could be why. Yeah. Right. Because as you were talking, I was thinking, you know, how, how how do you combat that or how do you work against that? And. I was thinking you got to find super fresh sign like old tracks and trails aren't it. You need like they were just here within the last couple hours kind of sign. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good point though with uh you know thinking that all acorns are created equal or all cornfields are created equal or all apple trees are created equal. You know, is a uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, a place where you can get fooled. You know, some mm. some acorns are more palatable at you know different times of the year, and some trees just make more palatable acorns. You know, right. they've just so, got better soil nutrients wherever they're at, or they right get better genetics. Know, yeah. You know, better genetics for being palatable, probably actually right. bad genetics for the survival of that tree, probably because all of its acorns are getting eaten. Yeah. But. Uh, yeah, I, I think that probably the food source one setting up on the wrong food source is probably one of the biggest ones. The next one that I can think of is your misunderstanding the stage of the the stage of the season you know you think that it is the rut and it's post rut pre rut or you think that you you're misunderstanding what the deer are going to be doing at that time of the year is another big yeah. reason why a good stand can have no deer. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, while I don't adhere to this, like as hard and fast rules, the 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 Drury team had put out at some point, like a, a phase schedule of deer season. I think they broke it up into like 13 different phases, you know, and they kind of give each one a a clever name, but they give some, some tips on like what the deer are doing during this phase and things you should key, key in on as a, as a hunter. And like I said, I, I, I don't adhere to it, you know, cause none of none of it is going to hold true for the same calendar dates all the way across the whitetails range so you know don't get so hung up on the the dates but 
more, more so just that there's, you know, as season progresses, there's different things that whitetails need that they're, you know, interested in, whether it's, you know, they're just on a feed to bed cycle, whether they're, you know, ramping up for breeding season, whether they're in the middle of breeding season, post, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be, right? They actually, I'm pretty sure they break it up into, into 13 different phases, but that, I guess I just say that as a, as a resource that you can kind of look up, you know, Google, jury, deer season phases or something, <laughs> something to that effect to get some idea on, you know, it's not just regular season and the rut, right? There's a lot of other things going on during, you know, as they transition from summertime, you know, warm food sources to as the weather gets colder and then you get into, I mean, our bow season goes all the way into the beginning of February. So <clears throat> they're doing different things in February than they are in October. Yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, yeah I, I mean, they're, they're deer are a very different, you know, in, in what they're doing, they're a very different creature, you know, from, you know, October 1st to February, you know, right on October 1st, they're basically pretty lackadaisical, like, oh, there's, there's food everywhere. I'm gonna, you know, go over to my favorite apple tree for a little bit, and then I can go here and eat clover. And, you know, they're, they're kind of hard to pattern a lot of times because they, can go in, you know, they can wake up from their bedding and go any direction and find whatever food, you know, they're looking for that day. It's, it's a buffet, right? You know, the woods are a buffet at that time and they're pretty, they're pretty lackadaisical. And, uh, you know, in, in February, there's very limited food sources and it's, you know, that's when you can get some really good deer patterns, you know, because the deer are, you know, bedding here or, you know, they have very few bedding areas that are suitable that give them the correct amount of cover or, you know, give them the sunlight they're looking for during the day. And then from those bedding areas, sometimes there's only two or three food sources. So, you can set up on those food sources or between the bedding and those food sources. And, you know, your odds are a lot higher of seeing, you know, it usually you see all the deer or none of the deer. Yep. You know, yep. it's, it's either all the deer are going to the food source that you set up on or none of the deer are going to that food source and they're all going to the other one. Right. And shooting a buck that time of year can be difficult because odds are they're not the first one to the food source. So you've got to you've got to avoid the eyes and ears and note, I guess, most importantly, the noses of all the deer that you're not targeting. In order for 
the one you are after to feel comfortable, you know, to kind of come within range. It's also the time of year where your beans that screwed you up at the beginning of the season can become your best friend if they're still standing, you know, for whatever, you know, if you can plant beans in a food plot, they, they want that high calorie food, the pods in the, in the, you know, late summer, early fall, they're eating the leaves primarily in that time they're eating the pods. And so if you have standing beans left or, you know, a bean field that got cut and there's some spilled beans, I know the, the equipment's pretty good these days about not spilling a bunch of, uh, a bunch of beans, but that can be a huge draw for deer. I mean, that's where you start seeing, you know, you'll in the evenings in, you know, late January, early February, where you're, you know, you look out and see 30 deer standing in a field. Cause that's the only, or that's, you know, that's the highest calorie food in the area and all, all the deer have found it. I'll say one other thing about, um, the the time of year maybe you've got the time of year right meaning you know you're hunting deer that are on a food to bed pattern but you're not you're not close enough if you will you know i'm thinking of scenarios where you see some deer sign and you think, ah, oh, this might, you know, this might be a good spot, but you go another hundred yards, maybe another 200 yards. And all of a sudden you come across like for real deer sign and had you set up, you know, at that, you know, that first sort of periphery, peripheral sign, you know, there's a good chance you aren't going to see deer or if you do it's you know it's way off in the distance not within bow range sort of thing but you know it's 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 kind of hard to explain over an audio platform but you know you kind of know when you see it right you're like oh there's some you know here's a deer track here you know but then but then you come across like for real deer sign and you just know that like oh this, this is different you know what I mean, Jeff? Like, uh. yeah, definitely. You know, you there's one thing of you know finding a an area with a few deer trails, and it's completely different finding an area where you know there's deer trails and the leaves are just you know basically absent from you know around an oak tree or whatever because. The deer have just kicked them all up and, yeah, you know, it's, you know, small changes to the environment the deer are making, you know, in trails versus being in their living room, you know, huge changes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So well, we've, we've covered um, food source, haven't being the on the hunting the wrong food source the time of year right you're you're 
hunting as if it's the rut and it's not the rut yet or you know you're hunting as if it's a sort of bed to food pattern and the deer running around doing crazy stuff during the rut uh what else do you got uh another one that i think a lot of people overlook and you know it is they're not paying attention to what's going on around them what's going on in the area you know they're not paying attention to other hunters they're not paying attention to what the farmers in the area are doing or Mm, yeah you know they're not they're not paying attention to uh any of the other mostly human activity around you know potentially uh, you're not seeing deer because the, you know, someone who's a quarter mile, a half mile down the road is tearing their woods up with the four wheeler. So now the deer don't cross those woods anymore to come to your, your stand. Right. You know, or maybe the guy next door is hunting and you know he's scenting up you know all of his woods and the deer don't feel comfortable to cross his woods during the day yeah i'm thinking this this one's particularly important for people who hunt an area that is not like super local like for us, we've, you know, we've got a, a camp down, down in southeastern Ohio. We by no means make it down there every weekend or, or, you know, there's a lot of things that could go on down there that we would have no clue about. People in the area, stuff going on in the area. None at all. <laughs> or um, public land. Right. I mean, there's. It's hard to <laughs> hard to know what the people yesterday on public land did. did. Uh, you know, that that's part of the challenge of of. Public land, you know, you, you think you got it figured out and then. Something happens and it changes. And that's where we've talked in the past about. Uh, kind of. Needing to know where the deer go or how they react to, you know, quote unquote, typical pressure. Now, there's always, you know, what's typical pressure, you know, hard to define. But in general, you know, sort of your your standard hunting pressure, people being in the woods, accessing from the roads, easy pull-off areas, parking areas, and walking, you know, sort of, uh, I don't want to say spider whip, but like, you know, radiating out from those points, like, you know, spokes on a wheel. Where does that typically push the deer? Because that could be another scenario where you're seeing sign or what looks to be fresh sign but 
the past two days, there's been somebody in there that, you know, has pushed the deer out. You, right. You know, yeah. Absent landowner thing. That's a hard one too. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely, yeah. Big thing on public land is, you know, you can have a spot where you think is a, a great place, but you know, potentially the day before you showed up, someone was in there or, you know, maybe the week before you showed up, someone was in there all week and, you know, it's basically blown that spot up. Yep. Yeah. Cause I, I remember one year, um, you know, I had a spot picked out for, uh, opening day, opening day of gun season. And, you know, I got down to the cabin and Jacob said, you know, Hey, just so you know, two days ago, there was a guy dragging a buck out of that, you know, out of right where you're playing to go hunt. You know, and by the time I got up there, there was no sign of that guy harvesting a deer there, but the deer were probably aware of that guy being there and, you know, aware that something went down. Yeah. A lot of disturbance, you know, with something like that. And it will, can and will change what the deer are doing. I guess with, with, if it's your own property and you're you're an absentee landowner, you know, I guess you got better chances of, of, knowing what's going on if you will but you could use trail cameras you know cell cameras now are are certainly a tool but that's a that's a tough one you kind of just kind of roll with that one on the fly and make make changes as as necessary We need to take a quick break here and talk about our sponsor, Monster Whitetail Grub. So Monster Whitetail Grub is a deer feed company, and they make really high-quality feed that's effective. We've tried it up against other feeds, and Monster Whitetail Grub always performs well. So their signature feed is a high-protein feed. It's got mineral mixed in. It's, It's more of a coarse feed, so the deer stick around longer. They eat it slower. So, lots of good things for that. They've got flavored corn that kind of kicks your regular corn up a notch. And then they've got just plain mineral, like the powdered mineral. So, whatever you need from a deer feed standpoint, they have it. And they're an Ohio company. Monster White Tail Grub is based right here in Ohio. And they try to source all of their ingredients, their packaging, everything from Ohio. So... Lots of lots of good reasons to uh, to shop with Monster Whitetail Grub. So if you're interested in trying some of that stuff out, go to ohiohuntsman.com slash sponsors. There you'll find a link to get in touch with them and order some of their stuff. Now let's get back into the conversation. So then one of the other things that, that we haven't talked about yet is the weather and how that can 
impact deer and what they're doing and and make them do things different maybe than what you thought they were going to do jeff do you got uh, some topic or i guess something to add on that one yeah yeah absolutely i mean weather you know you can have a trail camera out and have the deer patterned you know they're doing the same thing every day and think in your head well okay i'll go out there tomorrow and you know hunt the stand and you know these deer are going to show up again well if you're not paying attention to the weather and there's a big weather change happen those deer might not show up um so yeah paint not paying attention to the weather and what the weather's doing can definitely be a big cause of why you're not seeing deer um you know you're not paying attention to that it's warm or that it's cold or you know precipitation or any of it if you're you know that some some hunters seem to be oblivious of the weather and how that how the weather is going to affect deer movement well, and that one kind of ties into some of the other ones, right? Because weather, as the weather changes, food sources are going to change on a, on a, you know, unseasonably warm day when you get into the colder months. You know, they may not need to feed as much or they may not need or want the the high calorie foods because they've got a winter coat on and... You know, I'm thinking I'm thinking back to when Ella was born. That was beginning of December, and it was warm enough for us to go out and walk around the hospital in T-shirts for one day. You get something like that, and that changes things, right? It's December, but it's, you know, it's warm enough to be outside right. in a T-shirt. Yeah. So that one kind of connects with some of the other ones that we've, that we've talked about. Yeah. Especially like Jeff said, if it's like a thing where you think it's completely patterned and it's like shooting fish in a barrel for lack of a better term, you know, they're here every day at this time. And then you get one of those real outlier weather days, those deer fully winter coated, they're not going to get up and move unless they absolutely have to, you know, they're because it's just too hot. You know, they just walking, they get too hot over, you know, they'll get overheated. Then they certainly won't want to eat big high protein corn that you lay out for them or, you know, it's just not what they're going to be after. Right. So. Yeah. And I, The other thing I'll mention is, uh, you know, that's not seeing deer when you think in your head you've got it figured out and you're guaranteed to see deer is part of the part of the mystery, part of the draw, part of the mystique, if you will, in that you, you, you think you think you know until the deer humble you and 
make you realize you don't know. <laughs> right. While also, it's, it's, knowing... Yeah, what I was going to say is knowing where the deer aren't is almost as, as valuable as knowing where the deer are. Yeah. You know, if you know for sure, like, hey, the deer definitely aren't here. But, you know, especially if you're trying to hunt travel corridors and it's like, well, the deer definitely aren't coming through here. So and, you know, there's only one other way really to stay sheltered and get to that field where they're ending up at night. Well, odds are that they're over there. You know, yeah. so it's it's valuable information to also know like where the deer aren't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, assuming you have access to all the options, then yeah, I mean, you just, if you know they're not here, then you can go over there where you think they'll be. The problem arises is when you don't have permission to hunt the other access or you know, then you kind of have to go back to the drawing board and say, okay, well, maybe this pinch point isn't the best bet. I know they're ending up in this field, and I really think they're betting in this area, but I can't catch them walking from, you know, this through that pinch point. So maybe that's where you have to get more aggressive and try and ambush them in bed or something along those lines. Or, or you can't use the, the traditional what you see on TV techniques right like i'm thinking you know ag country if you're on a field edge and the field you're hunting is has had all the trees cut up to the fence there's no tree to put a tree stand in you know i guess you could buy a tower stand or something that's pretty expensive if it's already in season it's you know can be kind of intrusive to take that thing out there so you know one year i was hunting a crop field the edge of a crop field and you know there was like a it was in the corner and there's like a brushy area on one on one side and woods on the other side and you know it's an inside corner so as they swing the the combine or you know the tractor like that corner gets left uncut and so there's a little clump of tall grass there in the corner <clears throat> i set up in that clump of tall grass you know i mean it was on the ground i had no ground blind i just kind of tucked behind that tall grass on the ground and I, I even had, I mean, we were getting close to like prime time and I had the neighbor and his wife roll up on a four wheeler behind me, just across the property line. I talked to them for a minute, went back and, you know, I felt kind of silly cause it's like, I'm just hot. I'm just kind of quote unquote hiding behind this little clump of grass. But, uh, uh, you know, they went on their way. I figured, well, I, you know, I'm already out, out here. I'm going to sit back down and see what happens. And while, while I didn't get a shot there, I mean, there was a buck come into the field and 
start working toward me and it never saw me or spooked or anything. It just, you know, kind of turned and, and wandered off the other way. I think it probably got within 60 yards, you know, but there was no tree that I had permission to hunt out of, you know? Right. So I guess I just say that to, if you're, don't get too stuck on, oh, well, there's, there's an oak tree here and this is a good food source and the deer should be here. If you're hunting and you see the deer are over there, the deer are over there. You got to find a way to hunt them over there. And if that means doing something other than sitting in a tree stand and you got to do something other than sitting in a tree stand. Right. Yeah. Especially if you, like you said, sit in that oak tree and you see the deer just aren't on this side of the field. You know, it doesn't do you any good to sit in that same oak tree night after night and watch the deer feed on the other side of the field. Right. Now I don't, at that point, you just, like you said, you got to figure it out. You got to go over there and try and do something. I mean, unless you like to just sit and watch deer feed, I guess. But if you want to have a shot at one of those deer, they're not coming to where you are. So at least, you know, during the time when you can hunt. Yeah. You know, maybe they work their way across the field and you get them on camera at 2 a.m. or whatever, but that doesn't do you any good. You got to go over there and get them, whether that's, like you said, hide behind a clump of grass, whether that's, you know, try to set up a ground blind and then let it sit for a little while and then try and sit that. I mean, there's some other options, but. Like Jeff said, yeah. knowing where the deer aren't can help you to adjust and try and go to where they are. Well, and part of that, like you can think about, um, or not think about, but you hear people talk about do an observation sit. You know, sit somewhere where you you can see a long way and you know just observe where the deer are, where the deer aren't. And while that's a f- an effective technique, you know, I think Jake, you and I have talked about this. Like, I have very limited hunts or times to be in the woods, and so to to quote unquote burn one to go out there, not really intending to shoot a deer, just trying to gain information, is hard for me. Yeah. Yeah, that's just not in my vocabulary. And so what I have done, though, is I think this is a good spot. So I feel like I'm there's I've got a chance here, but I also pick this spot because it also allows me to see a long way. You know, I could shoot a deer here here. But it also allows me to gain intel on the surrounding area. Timber country, that's not, you know, especially when the leaves are on, that's not really in the cards. But, you know, here again, I'm thinking of a mixed ag and timber scenario where I'm hunting in the woods and there's some sign here, but I can also see these fields you know, especially if I get up in a tree or something, I can see a long way out over these fields, you know, bean fields or something. 
And even if the deer aren't feeding on the beans because they've already started to yellow off, you know, they could be coming out feeding on the acorns that are dropping from the oak trees on the field edges, or they're just going to use the field edge as a travel route to go from bedding through this field over to a stand of woods or, or something. You can, you can kind of dual purpose it because, you know, like I said, like Jake and I have talked, it, it's, it's just hard to, to burn a sit, if you will, you know, not really intending to shoot a deer. Yeah. I mean, if I had the luxury of going on, you know, a five, six day Western whitetail hunt, that's different. I can sit an evening and watch the deer. Um, but when I have five or six days total for the entire year, (laughs) you know basically i just can't you know and they're not back to back to back i don't have that luxury you know the longest consecutive time i have off is for you know gun shotgun i I say shotgun week it's not shotgun anymore in ohio necessarily but for gun week um you know i do get that week off but that's a whole totally different animal of hunting and i'm certainly not doing an observation sit opening day of gun week (laughs) right you know that ain't happening um yeah and i mean there's i guess they say the proof's in the pudding i mean the i believe it's the biggest buck you've shot jason you did that kind of hunt observation sit and then saw where the deer were crossing and made a move and got the biggest buck you shot i think right yeah yeah i mean and that was a that was a morning into the afternoon you know in the morning i set up on a spot and saw some deer but they were all you know coming down the ridge and and crossing the creek you know a hundred yards down from me so midday slow period i moved down closer to that area and the deer ended up coming from the other direction than what i had seen him in the morning but they, you know, for whatever reason, the way the topography ran, the creek was shallow there, whatever, that's where they wanted to be. And that, yeah, that was the biggest buck I've shot. So, right. And that wasn't a, uh, that was prior to your saddle days and really even yeah. prior to your light setup. I think that was a pretty, that was a normal hanging tree stand for the most part. It might have been a little lighter, but it wasn't like a ultra light setup. So yeah, no. It no, was I a. I didn't uh, even set my stand up in the morning. That first morning, I I hunt. I there was a you know tree that had fallen down. I don't know where I need to be. I'm not. I'm not going to go through the hassle of setting this all up. I hunted on the ground. And saw. Everything's down there. So. Right. I'm gonna go down there and set my stand up for the afternoon and that paid off right so all right anything else uh any other reasons we can think of here on uh why you might not be seeing deer when you when you're in a spot that should have deer 
I think that about covers it. Okay. All right. So that's it for this week. Hopefully, if you find yourself in a situation where you think there should be deer and you're not seeing them, maybe there was something in here that was that was helpful. And if so, maybe send it to a buddy. Maybe it'll be helpful to them. Either way, I hope you guys have a great deer season, a great hunting season. And we'll talk to you next week for the final episode. Thanks for listening.